Please be seated. To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace. From God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. Word of God upon which we base our <clears throat> message on this 10th Sunday after Pentecost is the Old Testament reading from uh, Genesis chapter 9. You heard that read before. I recall just these words. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember my everlasting promise to every living animal on earth. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, mankind's only way to everlasting life, my beloved. What do Judy Garland, leprechauns, and gay pride parades all have in common? Well, together they stole a rainbow. Today, by these words of Moses before us from Genesis chapter 9, we're going to reclaim the rainbow. Genesis chapter 9, God also said to Noah and his sons, I will put my, my rainbow in the clouds to be a sign of my promises to the earth. Now, to really understand uh, the significance of the rainbow, you have to understand the details of the universal flood, that one-time universal flood. Noah's day, God gave that promise that there was going to be a universal flood, and it came. If you would have been an astronaut out on the space station after the flood, you would see just one blue ball because there would be no land masses. All the land was covered with water. Let's review the facts. The flood could have occurred as late as 2500 B.C. We don't exactly know when it occurred. Of course, we're living in a much younger world than the evolutionists teach us. Our world is no longer no, uh, uh, older than between 12,000 and 15,000 years old. Some people prefer to believe that the flood occurred about 1,500 years after creation. Well, why did it happen? Genesis chapter 6, The Lord saw how evil humans had become on the earth all day long. Their deepest thoughts were nothing but evil. The Lord was sorry that he had made humans on the earth, and he was heartbroken. So he said, I will wipe off the face of the earth these humans that I created. I will wipe out not only humans, but also domestic animals, crawling animals, and birds. I'm sorry that I made them. But the Lord was pleased with Noah. The world was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. God saw the world and how corrupt it was because all the people on earth lived evil lives. And so it was that God came to Noah and said, I'm going to destroy the world with, with uh, water. And so I want you to uh, build this uh, huge ark. Another name for ark is a box. Uh, we could probably call the ark of Noah's day a barge. 
it looks something like this, replica model. I don't know how many of you have gone down to the uh, Ark Encounter and walked through it. You recognize how huge it is. A football field and a half, 75 feet high, 45 feet wide, uh, a million and a half tons, uh, a million and a half cubic feet, 14,000 tons, space equal to about 522 standard railroad boxcars, enough room for eight people, Noah and his wife, his three sons and their wives, enough room for between 1,500 and 2,500 animals and all the food, and God so designed the barge that it could actually tilt 45 degrees on its side and never capsize. The barge would be large enough to save animals for repopulating the world after the flood. And so God said, you take a male and female, a pair of all the animals. Now I want you to take seven pairs of the clean animals. Clean animals were animals that God would allow to be sacrificed to him. And take seven pairs of birds. A pair of every living, breathing animal came to Noah to go into the ship. And then, chapter 7, seven days later, the flood came on the earth. On the 17th day of the second month of the 600th year of Noah's life, all the deep springs burst open, the sky opened, and rain came pouring down on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And so it was that water covered the entire globe. It says it was 23 feet higher than the highest mountain. Now, if Mount Everest is the highest mountain on, on our planet, that's 29,000 feet. It was 23 feet above the highest peak. And God closed the door, and Noah was inside. We can only imagine the screaming people outside, perhaps scratching on the door, trying to get in. How many people died? Well, there's speculation that the world was populated almost like it is today. So, I don't know, 8 billion? They all died. Atheists, agnostics, idolaters, blasphemers, all dead set against God. They're all dead. All unbelievers all went to hell. And now everybody believed. Noah on the ark believed that the man was not a lunatic for trying to build a boat on dry land. Scripture tells us every creature that crawls on the earth died, including birds, domestic and wild animals, and everything that swarms over the earth, along with every human, everything on dry land, every living, breathing creature died. Every living creature on the face of the earth was wiped out. Humans, domestic animals, crawling creatures, and birds were wiped off the earth. Only Noah and those with him in the ship were left. The flood waters were on the earth for 150 days. Now, if you actually read the whole story of Noah, you recognize that Noah and his family were in that ark for a whole year, 365 days. And then God spoke to Noah, come out of the ship with your wife, your sons, and your sons' wives. Bring out every animal that's with you, domestic animals, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Increase in number and spread over the earth. So Noah came out with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives, 
and animals and crawling creatures and birds and everything that moves on the earth out of the ship, one kind and another. Did you ever try to put yourself in the place of Noah and the door opened and everybody came out? And they must have wondered, is it going to rain again? Maybe we should stay on the barge. How is everything going to start over? And then God's promise. God also said to Noah and his sons, I'm going to make my promise to you and your descendants. And every living being that is with you, birds, domestic animals, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ship, every living thing on earth, I am making my promise to you. Never again will all life be killed by floodwaters. Never again will there be a flood that destroys the earth. God made a promise. You might say it was a contract. It was a covenant. I know that all of us have dealt with contracts in our lives. If you have a mortgage on your house, it's a contract. You know what the contract is saying? If you continue to pay your mortgage, you can live in your house. Or some of you buy or lease a car, and the contract is a two-sided contract. If you continue to make the payments on your car, you can keep the car. When God made a promise never to send another flood, it was a unilateral promise, a one-sided contract. God took the initiative to do everything. He didn't ask anything of Noah or mankind. He made a promise, and it obligated himself to that contract. Now, the signature of his contract was a rainbow. Why does it take, the, why does it take the, the name rainbow? Well, you know what bow and arrows is? A bow is like this. This was a rainbow. It might have been that this was the very first time that mankind had ever set their eyes on a rainbow. Why? Because Moses tells us in Genesis, uh, in the Garden of Eden when God created the world, wild bushes and plants were not on the earth yet because the Lord God hadn't sent rain, rain on the earth. Also, there was no one to farm the land. Instead, underground water would come up from the earth and water the entire surface of the ground. So it could have been that before the flood, God watered the planet from bottom up. Today, he waters it from top down. Now, you know the physical aspects of uh, a rainbow. You have to have air, you have to have water, and you have to have light. And if you get the sun at your back and you're standing in the middle and there's mist or rain up ahead, then you will see a rainbow. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. And it's not just a pretty sight to look at because God said, whenever I form clouds over the earth, a rainbow will appear in the clouds. Then I will remember my promise to you, and every living animal never again will water become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember my everlasting promise to every living animal on the earth. Did you ever think about it? Whenever you look at a rainbow, you ever see a double one? See those rainbows? Remember that when you're looking at it, you're not the only one looking at it. God's looking at it with you. He says, every time I see my rainbow, I will remember my promise, never to destroy the world again. 
But every time, you know, you look at a rainbow, uh, we have all those extras that people who are non-Christians don't have. They just see a bunch of pretty colors. You know what we see? God's wrath and anger for sin that he destroyed the whole world, save eight, because of their sin. And God's grace and mercy, a promise to never make it happen ever again. The rainbow stands between us and God, telling us that he will never punish us again by a worldwide flood. So it was that one time in Holy Scripture, Moses stood between God and the people. God was so angry with the the children of Israel out in the wilderness after they worshipped the golden calf. He said, I'm going to destroy them all. And Moses stood between the people and God, and he said, God, you can't do that. If anything else, kill me. But you can't kill them because you'll be breaking your promise. Moses knew that God had promised to send a Savior. If he wipe out all the people, it wouldn't happen. So God didn't destroy the people. It's Jesus today who stands between us and our Father. And sometimes when God sees all the stuff that we do during the week or that we should be doing that we don't do, Sometimes God in his mind might want to say, you know, I'm going to throw them all into hell. And Jesus steps up as our advocate, our attorney. And he says, oh, no, Father, you can't do that. Look at the cross where I died. I paid for all their sins. And the Father says, oh, that's right, not guilty. Whoever believes in the Son has everlasting life. And even today... God still, for us Christians, gives us his visible signature for his mercy and grace. You know, a few drops of water applied to a baby's head in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A visible signature of God's mercy and grace. A visible signature of God's mercy and grace. A penny's worth of some bread and wine that we take today for full and free forgiveness through Jesus Christ. A visible signature that God says, I will never punish you again as my dear child of God. Every once in a while I wonder, does God look down though and see all the stuff here and have any regrets? The sins on Twitter, the terrible texts, the stuff on Facebook, the hateful emails, the internet porn, empty churches, strife in churches, dysfunctional families, your own personal secret sins that you think nobody else sees, but God sees them. Sometimes you think God's going to say, I don't care, I'm going to send another flood and destroy them all. And then he looks at the rainbow, and he says, I remembers my promise never again. Years ago, it used to be a tradition that uh, whenever you saw a rainbow, uh, that you should say the Lord's Prayer. Next time you see a rainbow, why not say a little prayer, thanking God for his promise. I am making my promise to you, never again will all life be killed by floodwaters. Thank you, Jesus, for your promise. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your forgiveness through Jesus Christ. 
So we have to say to Judy Garland, leprechauns and the gay pride celebrations, it's not your rainbow. It's God's. God, it's your rainbow. And you made it my rainbow. It's the signature of your mercy and your grace. And thanks be to God for that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please stand. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. On page 6, we confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Now we take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.